an Ironic Media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. No one knows what people see and hallucinations, delusions. Are they really having an altered state of awareness where they're actually seeing our loved ones in spirit that we cannot see? Mm-hmm. Because there's many people that can see spirits and loved ones and they come close to us when we need them the most. So Isn't it's nothing interesting. fearful. Mm-hmm. And he never has fear when he's in any of these altered states. Hello, and welcome to Dementia Discussions, the podcast for and about caregivers. If you'd like to share your caregiving story with me, I'd love to hear from you. Please call me at 310-362-8232 or send me an email at DementiaDiscussions.net. Today, my guest is Heidi Artman. Heidi is in my UCLA Dementia with Louie Body Support Group, and she's caring for her husband, Lee. And Heidi, welcome. It's great to have you this morning. Hi, good morning. I'm happy to be here too share my story. Great. I love it. So tell us a little bit about Lee, who he was. Well, you know what? He's almost still is a very dynamic person. He has another component to his dementia. He's been bipolar since he was in his 30s, early 30s. So he has struggled with bipolar disease for many, many years. And we have great psychiatrists and we have good meds that he's on to stay pretty balanced. But that's kind of an animal in itself. Mm. And yeah, he'd, he'd have many highs, many lows. And then I think it was probably about 2015 when we were talking to the doctor and we were just questioning, he was having some memory loss and what that was being caused by. And the doctor at that point said that he thought it was a little more significant than just age related and thought that Lee was dealing with two things bipolar disease, and also some memory loss. So that was kind of the beginning of our journey with memory loss, dementia. So 2015, so that was seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just very slight then. But in his particular case, there's many people that are bipolar in this world, but I think it can sort of be misdiagnosed too. what's going on in the brain these different forms of highs and lows. And that, you know, like many bipolar people, he's able to do amazing things in his life. He always has stayed up. He never does poor me. And even now I'm fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) And so that's a good thing too. The beginning that maybe when you're depressed, you have some forgetfulness or when you're anxious you get rattled, forgetful. So did they think it was initially caused by his bipolar, like he was in high mood or low mood? Well, you know, and that's really questionable about how long this has really been going on. But I think it was, there's some information that the doctor registered in. And that's how I remember 2015 that he said, no, I think there's two things going on here. You have bipolar disease and you're also having some memory issues. That was kind of the beginning of our journey. And it wasn't until maybe 2018, it was suggested we see a neurologist and I'm trying to go back on the different timing, but I believe it probably was maybe 2019, 2020. 
20 that our neurologist here where we live said no one in our area really specializes in these forms of dementia. So they did a referral to either UCSF or UCLA because that's the closest to us. And we we chose UCSF because the doctor did her residency there and mm-hmm. seemed like, okay, this is a good fit. And that was the beginning of the COVID. So they were doing everything on Zoom, which was great for us so that we didn't have to travel. It sounds funny that a doctor could diagnose from afar, but they were very, very good at this. And also looking at all the diagnostic that they were given of the brain. You sent the imaging up there. Yes, yes, yes. And they're still part of our team, the different meds he's on and just all the care and, and how things are moving along. At that particular time, the doctor that was diagnosing was also doing studies and research for UCSF and the components of bipolar disease and people having propensity for these types of dementia, which only makes sense because you already have the brain that's firing off and in a quiet zone, the brain is just doing a lot of electrical things. So for a while, they weren't quite sure. It was very hard to diagnose because he thought he had components of frontal temporal lobe dementia plus Lewy body dementia. At that time, he didn't have too much with Parkinsonism, which I was told you say with a small p. And I thought, well, that's interesting. It's not really Parkinson's, it's Parkinsonism. So I've had to learn all these different things, but it's fascinating. But so they still feel there may be a little bit of temporal frontal lobe, but if the main component he really has is Lewy body, and that's become very evident now as it's progressing. Does he have any of the movement? Yes, he does. Probably in the last year, he started to decline and the decline is pretty rapid now. And so there's a lot of body things associated with the Parkinsonism and the shuffling of the feet, the shaking of the hands, the swallowing, the drooling. And then also the Louis body, which is like an animal itself with hallucinations, delusions, altered states of awareness that are a little bit about that, like the hallucinations and delusions. What sorts of things is he seeing or believing? Well, they say that most of this happens during the REM sleep. And so it's really important to try to keep people asleep at night. And we had a lot of challenges with him sleeping at night. He would wake up in the middle of the night, always one, two, three o'clock, and he would be in a dream state. And then he would act out his dreams, whatever it was. And it would always be components on something he would be doing in his life at different times when he was younger. But the first time it happened a few years ago, he actually left the house. I was in a deep sleep and this was the first time. And I woke up must've been maybe an hour later and he wasn't here. At that time it was five o'clock and he had taken the car and he had written me a note (laughs) saying, I went to Yuma, Arizona, and we've never been to Yuma, Arizona. Oh, <laughs> I my said, goodness. oh my goodness, what do I do now? <sighs> and so then, and some man that really never carries a wallet or anything with him, no phone is, he just flies by nothing. 
this particular time, thank God he had a phone and he answered it. And he didn't go south from here. He actually went north. And I said, where are you? Where are you? And he said, well, he was at a rest stop and he was in an altered state and he had pulled over and he said, I don't know how to use the car. He didn't know how he got there. He didn't really know where he was. And I said, well, you have to come home. You have to come home. And so he assured me he would be able to do that. And I was on pins and needles then, but he did show up. He had all kinds of things in the car like he was going on a long trip. And then what happens after these different delusional states, after he will then sleep and for a while, he has no memory of ever doing these things. And so that's fascinating too. So it definitely is an altered state of awareness. And either later in the day, he doesn't remember, or for sure the next day, I revisit these things with him. But I've been very diligent since then, uh, keeping the keys away. And of course, he doesn't have a license and he's not insured. But so that's been a challenge. This man grew up in Detroit and it's all about the cars and mm-hmm. the motorcycles. And mm-hmm. he has many dreams when he wakes up about getting on his motorcycle. And where is it? And I said, oh, remember, you sold all of them and, and we sold the car and you were really happy about that. And, So a lot of redirecting so that he doesn't get too upset. So since that episode of driving to what he thought was Yuma, he hasn't driven since that was the end. of. He did. Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. And that's before I got like a little safe to keep all the keys in. And, Mm -hmm. And then it's up to me to remember to put them away each time we walk in the house, because there was another time that he took my whole purse and got in my new SUV, which I got. So it's easier to get in and out of for him. And it has all the new electronics. You don't really know how to drive it, but he left. I was very concerned. And so after about 30 minutes, I called the police and I was one of those people that said, my husband has left. Yes. And they were so nice. And the police officer came. And of course I had to have a picture of him and a description and all these things I had never thought of before. And they were all searching for him, but he finally called me four and a half hours later and he went into a business and asked to use the phone. And thank God he remembered my cell phone. I said, where are you? Where are you? He said, I don't know. And I said, well, where are you calling from? And so I knew it wasn't very far. And so I got there and he was in a parking lot wandering and no hat, no sunglasses. And then I said, okay, where's my car? And so he had left it several blocks away and just started walking. And then we got there. The car was unlocked. It wasn't in a very good neighborhood, but everything was fine. God watched over us. My purse was there. He didn't get in an accident. So then the police, of course, came and checked him out. So then I've been very diligent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. That doesn't happen again. Absolutely. Those are such scary times, I'm sure. Oh my goodness. Yes. And then he didn't remember either the next day of of even doing that. Mm. Um, So you're traumatized and he doesn't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the truth? It's always worse on the caregiver. We Mm -hmm. see clearly what's going on. They don't. And we're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And then there was another day that he woke up and he has a lot of delusions about water. He can't swim. Although this is a man that water skied, 
did all kinds of stuff in the ocean with the vest on and he felt safe, but now he's afraid and we can see the ocean where we live. So that causes a little bit of discomfort. But one day there was water, he said, in our home, three feet. And I said, what do you mean? I said, well, is the furniture moving? And he said, yes. And I said, oh my gosh, what do I do with this? And I said, no, no. And and then a little while later, I thought he was better. And then he opened up every single sliding glass door and we live on the top floor of a building. And I said, oh my gosh, what's going on? But then I figured out he was letting the water out. out. Sure. So it's very fascinating. But now we do have meds that he can take during the day when some of these delusions and hallucinations happen. As it's progressing, they're they're getting more prominent where he's actually seeing people. And he sees a brother that passed over many times. He was fixing some apples the other day. And I said, oh, no, that's too many apples. You're going to get sick. You can't eat all that. He cut them all up. And then he was walking towards the bedroom. And I said, no, no, don't go in there. Don't eat in the bedroom. And then he came back. And I said, why? Why are you have so many? He said, well, my brother is hungry. And I said, oh, okay. I said, yeah, but he can't eat. He's in the spirit realm. He can't eat, honey. And so then he understood. And then he just went and sat down. But there's a lot of this that is happening. And you just take it in stride. You just hear it. He's not with us. Your brother's in the spirit realm. Interesting. Well, because I I have a lot of background in in that type of work, spiritual work. And I understand because I am a medium. I understand that our loved ones can contact us. And I've been thinking about this a lot because he sees another brother that passed away and other people and they come. And one day I went into the bedroom and he was just awake and he had a paper there and, and he goes, well, should we deal you in? And I said, deal me in. What are you talking about? And I said, deal me in. Are you playing cards? He goes like, uh-huh. well, yeah. And I said, I said, who are you playing cards? With? And then he said his other brother. And I said, well, what are you playing poker? And he's like, well, yeah. And tell us now. I don't play poker. I don't know how, but he was very realistic. And then I thought to myself, no one knows what people see and hallucinations, delusions. Are they really having an altered state of awareness where they're actually seeing our loved ones in spirit that we cannot see? Mm-hmm. Because there's many people that can see spirits and loved ones and they come close to us when we need them the most. So Isn't it's nothing interesting. fearful. Mm-hmm. And he never has fear when he's in any of these altered states, unless there's something worrisome like the water for us that we have to be very, very careful. And yeah, it's, maybe he's like working out some unresolved childhood issue or something, or maybe he had great times playing cards with his brother and wants to relive that, like bring those days back. Yeah. Cause they played cards a lot. Maybe they're coming closer because he'll be leaving this life soon. Oh, and interesting. Uh-huh. they do tend to come a little closer, you know, so that we have our loved ones around us to take us over. That's um, a very sweet image. It really is the truth as far as I see it. And I feel it in my heart. And this is how I get through my day, knowing that we are surrounded by God, angels, loved ones, those that have passed. 
and also people in the physical. They're they're like earthly angels like you, Barbara. So many people and we learn so many things, all of the caregivers and how to do things differently. What can we maybe change and what does our loved one need? Because it can be very, very overwhelming for everyone. I wonder if you could use that, put that in your arsenal, your toolbox when he's agitated and say, hey, you know what? Come sit down, teach me how to play poker. I want to learn how to play poker with you and your brother. That's something that he has good memories of. And it sounds like he really was in that space and it was a good space for him. Should I deal you in? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Something that's very interesting with Louis body, which is so different from the other dementias, is that I've learned that people go down and then they also, their brain can be like on and they're almost normal. There will be days where he won't speak. He can barely utter a word and he can't formulate because things are getting quite a bit worse and even walking and slowly. And so one day we had my nephew visiting. So there was a bunch of us and they wanted to play pool. It was only a couple of weeks ago. So we went and it was noon and they had one pool table and several ping pong. And I thought, well, this will be good just for us to be around for an hour. Well, anyway, my husband was upset because he didn't bring his own stick because he was really good when he used to play. So then they said, okay, let's play. And it was amazing what he did at that table. He made all these shots. They all went in the holes. His brain was just on and everybody was like, oh my gosh. After an hour that we went home and then he promptly fell asleep and Mm -hmm. just, it was so much for the brain, but it was an amazing thing to witness. It is amazing. And you never know when the brain is going to, like you said, be on like that. Yeah. Another caregiver said her, she thinks she feels her mother's brain is like Swiss cheese. Sometimes it's solid right there, clear firing on all cylinders. And then sometimes there are holes and she just never knows when it's going, what's going to be. That's exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. Every day is different. Every minute is different. You just never know. So what a great time with your nephew. Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah. And there was, you know, some other family members there. It was really something, (laughs) it was really something to witness. If you've seen him in this other state and then you saw him really amazing. It was fun to watch. (laughs) Pull it together like that. Mm -hmm. And you're saying often he cannot speak. So he's having a lot of difficulty with his language. Yes. And he'll whisper and you can barely hear him. You can barely make it out. He does wear hearing aids. And so he does have compromised hearing, but there'll just be long times during the day where he won't talk. I try to get him to speak and he, he can speak easily. But it's something in the brain that is preventing him from either formulating words, enunciating and projecting. And now he's calling things by different names, like something that would be like a car. It's like now a salt shaker or everything's very scrambled and confused. And he's starting to have problems using utensils. Just the other day, I made this really beautiful dinner and I said, come on, come on. Why aren't you eating? I said, this is really good. Finally, he felt comfortable enough with me to say, I don't know how to do this. And I said, oh my God. And my heart sank. And I said, you mean you don't know? He didn't know what to have first. And he didn't know how to all of a sudden 
put food on his plate. And so then I said, oh, don't worry, don't worry. Let me show you. And I got all the food and I said, okay, this is usually what you do. You like this with that. And you can just start eating now. So it's crazy. He didn't know how to like pick up his fork and put food on his fork. And there were too many choices, I guess, because mm. you know, we had spaghetti and we had prawns and we had vegetables and salad and and he didn't know how to organize any of it or how he would even begin to eat it. I mean, that just happened that one particular time. So it's crazy because on the next day he was eating normally, pouring his own glass of juice out of the refrigerator. But then many times he starts throwing food out and he'll want like four glasses of something or or he brings all kinds of dishes and things to the table. And I said, what are, what are you doing? What are you doing? Who are these for? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then he can't describe. And I said, well, are there other people here eating with us? <laughs> so, and there probably are. Right? Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's very challenging, but it's it's been a journey. It didn't just start like this right away. So yeah, it's been a and journey. Yeah. I mean, you, at this point, you seem so calm about it all. Like, were you always so kind of like, just, oh, who's joining us for dinner? (laughs) Who's coming for dinner? Or was it like, was it a big learning curve for you? Well, these, these altered states. And if you see people that because of my background and being a medium myself and having different things that I've seen and instances and things I've studied. And I know from my heart that there's something that can hurt us and our loved ones are around us. And one of my mentors would always say, there's, there's more to fear from the living than there is the dead or Mm. people that we can't see, they can't hurt us. And they're here in love and kindness. So that kind of stuff does not bother me, but some of the changes and some of the things that he wants to act upon. And he's a wanderer and he wants to leave the house and he's very headstrong that he wants to either do business or he needs to call people. And then it seems like for me, after each of these episodes, the following day, I'm more calm. And I think because at night when we sleep, we can readjust our brain we go and, and we have an understanding. And then I come back the next day when I wake up and I'm like, okay, I can do this. And we feel refreshed. And that's what I feel. And then I also feel refreshment when I walk outside into the outdoors and just walking in the garden or being at the beach. And, and it changes the energy. And so many times when Lee's in an agitated state, I'm like, okay, come on, we're going for our walk. Mm-hmm. And it it flips his brain too, because he is outside and we're, we have to concentrate on what we're seeing and walking. And it's very, very calming for him. And then of course it's calming for me too, but it's been very challenging, all of it. I bet, <laughs> I bet especially when he's in an agitated state and wants to take off to work or yeah, yeah and for you to try to redirect him, his thinking and his mindset, he's out the door. Yeah. And you're, yeah, I bet that's very difficult. Yeah. So that's difficult. And now and I guess you could say, okay, let's go to your meeting and then get in the car and drive somewhere as if you were you going know, to some I meeting. Think or- that we've done that earlier on a little bit. And I have even called 
people that I that I knew that would understand this because we never told people that number one, it wasn't open that he was bipolar because everyone is fearful of it. And then the dementia came. And so then you kind of hide everything and except for your core circle that are very loving and they understand. And yeah, it's been a journey. Yes. <laughs> it's been yeah. a journey and I've learned a lot. From of- the mental illness standpoint and now the whole dementia. Yes. You're right. Yeah. So now some of the, a lot of the physical ailments are coming in and it's very difficult for him to dress himself and do many things for himself, the daily things. I'm torn now between having him stay at home with me, which I'm wanting to do. Eventually he's going to have to have full-time care or almost there. Mm-hmm. Although it's a challenge finding caregivers to come into the house and people that are experienced with Lewy body disease, which is totally different. I'm also finding that there are people that don't want to work with people that have Lewy body. It's too difficult. They don't know how to redirect them. So I'm still on that search, but I'm hopeful that we will find good fits. You're torn between keeping him at home with care or having him move out to a facility. A a memory care facility. Got it. Mm. Yeah. So that's very difficult for me because, of course, I feel like I know I'm the best and I'm the best one to redirect him. And it is hard to give up control. And anyway, so this is where we are right now. Yeah, those are big decisions. Yeah. And, I and would we say- have the visiting nurses are coming in. So we have that. So I have a support there a couple of times a month. That's a good thing. Most people start with bringing care in the home. Just yes. that seems... Like the least amount of change, not so drastic, is moving out of the house and just dabbling in that whole world, bringing someone in a few days, a couple of days a week for X amount of hours and increasing over time. And build up from there. I had one gentleman that came and I thought he would be great. He worked at the hospital. He works at the hospital. He's a nurse's assistant. But I think he had a different agenda than what I presumed that he really didn't want to spend time in the house and he wanted to just take him out, drive him. So it was not a good fit. He was gone for like five hours with him. And when my husband came back, he was not only sort of delusional in an altered state, he was also hypermanic because I know when he's in a hypermanic state from the bipolar And he thought this guy just drove him home and he introduced me to him and he didn't understand he was there all day. And it was eye-opening for me to make sure that I get the right fit of the right person. And that That takes time. Absolutely. So yeah, you're not giving up. Good for you. Yeah. And I have an interview today. There's a guy coming over that I got through the visiting nurses. I'm really hopeful. Mm -hmm. Go good. Be a good start a good fit but we'll see yeah crossing my fingers <laughs> hoping it's a good fit for you <laughs> yeah you've talked about all sorts of great things i just want to ask you about some of the professionals maybe that lee has seen over this journey it seems like we have a really good team of doctors our shining stars our psychiatrist who's like a young guy did his residency at Johns Hopkins. He's really knowledgeable, has helped us with not only the bipolar disease, but now he has been so instrumental in helping us navigate this Lewy body dementia. 
He works closely with UCSF neurologist and also our neurologist here with the meds. And because Lee was already on bipolar meds, they also were very much helping with this type of dementia. They've given us a lot of good medical advice with his meds and also meds that I can give him during the day that help for the anxiety and the delusions, the hallucinations. And this has really been a godsend for us. And so it's so important for people to know that if your loved one is not sleeping, if they're agitated, this is not norm. And this is not, it's not being cared for properly. And the proper meds can really make a huge amount of difference in the person. And they don't have to be that sedating either. But you need to be in touch with your team of doctors and and really be verbal. The caregiver needs to be verbal about, well, this is how this person reacts when I give them this. It doesn't put them to sleep, but it calms the brain and it just readjusts. And my husband has been one that has never really, only a couple of times did he not want to take his meds, but he just takes them. And I said, yeah, it's good. It's going to help the brain and he trusts the doctor. So that's a really key component into number one, keeping people at home, keeping them unagitated, happy to live their best life that they possibly can with all of this brain disorder. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think people are hesitant to start medicine, psychiatric meds, like antipsychotics and anxiolytics, things for anxiety, agitation. But really, you're not, just like you said, the goal is not zonk people out. It's really to take the edge off. And your husband can't be comfortable when he's agitated. He's uncomfortable in his skin. Yeah. I'm sure it's hard for you to see. It's hard for him to be. Yeah. So just a little something to take the edge off. Yeah. So and that's usually what the doctors do is they start very, very slow. And, and of course it takes a little time to kick in, but that's why we have those meds and that's why they were developed. And there's so much documentation on how they work, what they do. So you don't have to be fearful of them. It's a good thing. It's just like, you take a drug every day because maybe you have a heart problem or you have a breathing problem. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So the medical world, they really do know. So yeah, your team of doctors has been instrumental. Yes. Thank goodness. Thank God. (laughs) And you're right. It's helped you keep Lee at home. Yeah. That's a really good point. And even like our psychiatrist, he's very open. I can call, leave a message, and he will get back to me if it's an emergency right away at the end of his day. And we just talk about it, make sure that I'm doing the right thing. It's just been very, very good for me and instrumental for Lee also. Is there any family that has helped you or friends? You know what? We don't, all of our family, we have lots of brothers and sisters, but they all live out of state. I do have one brother that lives here, but we do have uh, really friends that have been friends with Lee for 40 years. They just moved back here and they've been very instrumental in helping. And he will take Lee out to lunch once a week, but that's getting harder. I I feel he's not going to be able to do that anymore. He's having a lot of problems uh, swallowing and it's too hard for a friend to handle that, but, but they've been very instrumental. 
And then again, just trying to get people to help is a little bit more difficult. We don't have any children, <laughs> neither one of us, mm. all of our family that would be helping or they're Out not here. Yeah. Right. You're doing the right thing then. You're pulling in your close circle, your friends, and you're hiring help, which is great yes. that you yes. can do that. Yeah. I worked at a, a care facility for 18 years and mm. we had independent memory care and also skilled nursing. And I was in the activities department. I did all the fun stuff with everybody and I taught art. It was one of the most fulfilling jobs, but I was around a lot of it. And I learned a lot because I would work in the memory care and the skilled nursing. And so I sort of have a little bit of an edge of understanding. Plus my mother had ALS when I was a child and I was the main caregiver for her. But this whole thing has really taken it to a different level. When you're actually working with someone, your loved one that has memory loss, that has Louie body, it is a totally different animal. And I think it takes every bit of strength and courage from the caregivers. Um, yeah, I agree. It's not like your job that you leave at five and go home. And <laughs> <laughs> this Isn't is a 24 seven gig. Yeah. So that's what you talk about. <laughs> yeah. One day at a time. Absolutely. And you talk about sleep being a, a place where you can rejuvenate and re-energize and kind of wake up the next morning and think, okay, I can do this again for another yeah. day. Yeah, we just feel comfortable somehow. And even though I'm not sleeping a lot, because now I'm on alert every time he gets up or moves or are you in a delusion? Are you where are you going? Are you leaving? Are you oh goodness? <laughs> so there is like a lot. Do a you lot. have one of those like a bed, bed alarms or <laughs> um, but I have one of the ring doorbells and, yeah. and I've got all kinds of ring cameras in. And I got it hooked up to my phone. And so I'm, I'm really diligent now about what's happening. How about an ID brace? Does he have an ID brace that on? He doesn't. And I need to try to get him to, to wear one. And maybe now it's easier than a couple of years ago. Yeah. So there's a lot happening and he's declining pretty quickly because he's having a lot of bodily issues. That's like incontinence. Right. What sort of bodily yes. issues are? You? Oh, incontinence. Yes. And mm. I know intestinal tract was really associated with Louis body, which we he didn't really experience that. A man with a cast iron stomach, but now he's having that. You know, it happens in the middle of the night. The poor thing. And then one day he was trying to get dressed, but he was putting his leg in the sleeve of his shirt. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh. Right. <laughs> I either laugh or I cry. It's the same vibration. I said, no, no, and I, we don't do that silly <laughs> let me help you here <laughs> oh, gosh. So it's crazy but you know what i think at the end of the day you need to laugh about this stuff because otherwise it's way too sad and that's not why we're here we're here to live our best life do the best we can experience happiness in our day and that's what we try to do every day i agree with that you either laugh or cry yeah. So laughing is, I mean, I'm sure you do your share of crying, but yes, <laughs> you also have to laugh at some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you, you couldn't make this stuff up. I mean, no, <laughs> and they make for a good story, but it's mm -hmm. like, but then it's real. It's actually real. So and there are concerns because you want to keep your loved ones safe too. You just, you just have to. Right. I mean, the only good part about having trouble dressing is if he tends to get dressed and then walk out the door. 
least you have, if he's not able to get dressed, he's not running out the door as quickly You're well, able to intercept him. Yeah. And hopefully not. he oh, understands that he's dressed <laughs> because he was outside one day and he only, well, he had socks on, he was dressed, but I said, where are your shoes? Where are your shoes? And then he was going to leave yesterday. And I said, now look, what's wrong with that scenario? And I said, look at your feet. I said, I don't see shoes on the feet. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> Gosh, I know. Just yeah, you have to be... that we take for granted, but yeah, yeah. No. it's you're sort of hyper vigilant, always kind of sleeping with one eye open, I guess. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, mm. it's taken its toll on me, actually. And I, I, I realize that too, but yeah, so be mindful of that. I do know the worst thing is for the caregiver to get sick. And then like the doctor said, then the whole thing implodes, Heidi, if you get sick, this whole thing implodes. And I thought, oh my goodness, that spelt volumes to me when I thought about it. I thought, well, who's going to come in here? Who's going to take care of him? And I need to put things in place. Where are the meds? How much does he take? What does he need? And so I have done that too, for, for someone that could just step in. I mean, the doctor's talking about taking care of yourself, which I agree with the doctor. If something happens to you, the whole thing implodes. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we have to remember that. Maybe a caregiver at night so that you really can sleep restfully. That's someone else is keeping their eyes open. Yeah. The only problem is, is that most of the delusions happen at night in the REM sleep. And I'm just very concerned about any caregiver trying to understand that, talk him down. And if he's in an altered state, if there's someone there, he doesn't really know. Maybe he'll think he, they're an intruder. Mm-hmm. I've kind of gone through all this in my mind. So keeping him to sleep is the best thing. And the neurologist has helped with that, getting him in a deep REM sleep. And so it's a lot better, but it still will have a little bit of up and down too. Hmm. Okay. So good that you're working with the neurologist on being sleeping at night. And that's where the meds come in and they're so important and that they work. And yeah, and it's just one day at a time. One day at a time. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. You're just taking one day at a time and you don't know what, what the future holds. So you can be afraid of the future, but you don't know what's down the road and if you can handle it or not until you're in it. Well, that's right. That's right. And even with my husband, how long will he live? What does that look like? And how do I do that? End of life. And no one knows when one's time is to pass. And even with all the symptoms and things, and you just want to have the best quality of life that you can. Absolutely. While you're here. While you're here. And just put tools in your toolbox. So if that means talking to hospice agencies, like you're doing, talking to caregivers, trying to pull them in, going to see facilities. I mean, you worked in a facility, so you already know what, you know, that one, but maybe you run around and see others just so you feel like you have options, right? Yes. Like if things become too difficult, okay, you've got the caregiving agency, you can call them, send someone else, extend the hours, so you yes. feel like, oh God, what do I do now? You've got things in your toolbox that you can, you know, pull out if you need them. Yes. Yes. And I think about that a lot. And so I'm, I'm almost overly diligent <laughs> trying to work on things, but then you're exactly right. It makes me feel better. If I feel like I have a backup, even with the care facility, if I just 
in my back pocket that I know would be available, would be good if things really go south. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Otherwise. And sometimes it's just having it, never actually using it, but just knowing that it's there. Yes. Right? Yeah. Right. It's, there. That's the exhale. You just, that was it exactly. It's right? comforting. It's a, yes. It's comforting. <laughs> it's the sigh of relief. Like, oh, okay. If I, I've got this. I'm good. Yes. Heidi, well, thank it's you, been Barbara. Lovely. So this has been lovely talking with you this morning. Thank you for coming yes. on. Your story will help others. I know it will. Yeah. So good. I appreciate I so. you. Thank you for joining us today on another episode of Dementia Discussions. If you're a caregiver or know someone who's a caregiver that would like to be a guest on the show, please call me at 310-362-8232 or go to DementiaDiscussions.net forward slash contact and let me know. I would love to have you. Remember that you can follow Dementia Discussions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it would mean a lot if you would leave me a review. For any other information about this podcast, please visit me at DementiaDiscussions.net. And please share this podcast with someone you know if you think it may help. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you here again next time on Dementia Discussions. Dementia Discussions.